Blog Talk Radio. Trekkers around the globe. It's time for another episode of Book Nook. This is our quasi, semi, sort of monthly show that we like to do on Star Trek books. I know we haven't done one in a while, uh, but here we are. And we also do another one called Comic Corner, which we'll, we'll squeeze in as well. So uh, right now we're doing Book Nook, and I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim. And let me tell you, it's cold and snowy up here in Vermont, so that's something to think about. But also... I have with me my Trek experts. We'll start off with Charles. Charles is out in Las Vegas. How much snow you got there, Charles? Oh, let me check my app. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, gee, I think we got, I'm going to say at least 6 to 12 inches of sunshine today. We had yeah. a high of 74. We had 74 yeah. today. We're unusually warm right now. Wow. Isn't that? Well, Well, we also have with us Eric, and Eric's out in Portland. Eric, how much snow do you have? Well, where it should be, there ain't any yet. We should have snow on the mountain, but unfortunately, still in the 40s up on Mount Hood. So that's summer, and of course, down here in the valley, we're enjoying a nice, balmy 55 degrees. A little bit of light and rain, as always, this time of year. Wow. Well, you know, when you live up here in the uh, in New England, snow just comes with the territory. So, listen, guys, as I said, this is Book Nook. We have a great one planned for you guys. I have been waiting patiently to talk about this book. Uh, we're going to be talking about Die Standing by John Jackson Miller. Now, unfortunately, the last novel that we reviewed by uh, – John Jackson Miller uh, was, uh, let's just say, not one of my favorites. So um, I wonder how this one's going to pan out. You'll just have to hang out with us and find out. But this is an interesting one because this is a mirror, well, this is kind of, sort of, a mirror universe book, but kind of not really. Um, <laughs> so anyways. It's both. Um, it's both. Thanks, thanks for being yeah, clear. It's both. Yeah. 
Yeah, so uh, so let me read the description to you guys. No one in the history of histories has lost more than Philippa Georgiou, ruler of the Terran Empire, forced to take refuge in the Federation's universe. She bides her time until Section 31, a rogue spy force within Starfleet, offers her a chance to work at their agent. She has no intention of serving under anyone else, of course. Her only interest is escape. Dun, 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 dun. I wonder if she escapes. And if she escapes, where is she escaping to? That's a good question. But before we go any further, I have to do this. Black alert, y'all. We are about to make the jump to some serious spoiler territory. that's right. If you haven't read the book, quick, go run, read it, and come right back because we're going we're gonna to talk about it in depth. Before I do that, though, there are a couple of things I have to let you guys know. Thursday night show is going to be great. We didn't have one last week because of Thanksgiving here in the United States. So Thursday night, we're going to have our first Trek talk in, I mean, in two weeks. I'm getting kind of yancy here to talk about Star Trek because Discovery is so awesome so far this year. But before we do that, uh, we're going to have Doug Brody on with us. Doug Brody was the alien prop person on Star Trek 2009. He's a graphic artist and illustrator. He's worked on Men in Black International, uh, Thor, Looper, Iron Man. Um, you go check him out on IMBD. He's worked on a ton of stuff. He has a new book out as well. And he's going to be joining us live. So you guys can give us a call and you can ask questions. You can talk to him. Find out what exactly does a graphic illustrator do on a movie. Well, you can call and find out. We'd love to hear from you. 646-668-2433 is our number here and will be our number there. It's always the same number. So give us a call on Thursday night and talk to Doug Brody. Also, just to sweeten the pot for you guys a little bit, uh, it's Sarah Mitch's birthday who played Lieutenant Arium the original Lieutenant Arium on Star Trek Discovery. And in honor of her birthday, I have a nice autographed picture of her, and I'd love to send it to you. And all you have to do to win it is give us a call on Thursday night, 646-668-2433, just like Jared Brown did on our special Halloween show that Charles and I did, and he was lucky enough to win a copy of Star Trek Discovery 3 on a season three on DVD. So you can call Thursday night, 646-668-2433, and you can win an autographed um, uh, Lieutenant Arium picture from Star Trek Discovery season one. So, you know, you can call and talk to Doug Brody, and you can win an autographed photo. It's a win-win situation. So put us a speed dial, mark on your calendar, Thursday night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Trek talking. We're also going to be talking about Star Trek Discovery. Um, what's the name of the episode? Anomaly. That's it. Anomaly. Uh, episode two, which aired on Thanksgiving night. Okay. So mark your calendar. We expect to hear from you. 646-668-2433 is the number. It's also the number right now. We are currently live. We'll be live with you guys for the next hour. If you'd like to call and talk about Star Trek Discovery, die standing or share your opinions on the novel, give us a call, and we would love to hear from you. So without any further ado, what do you say we dive right in and start talking? Um, We do have a caller on the line, though. So uh, let's see if I can get this thing to work. 
Hey, good evening. Thank you for calling. Uh, Book Nook, what's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Uh, my name is John. Uh, can you hear me? Hey, John, what's going oh, on? What's up? Uh, it's going on pretty good tonight. Um, I got something Star Trek related. Uh, I know it's, uh, well, it's uh, Star Trek related. It's uh, part of my business, uh, part of Black Cat's. Uh, collectibles, the Star Trek Captain's Log. I thought you guys would be interested. Yeah, so what, 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 tell us a little bit about it. Um, well, I decided to start a business and selling diaries a long time ago. And, uh, well, what about a Captain's Log? You know, I'm sure there's Star Trek fans out there. So uh, this Captain's Log, it's 400, uh, hardcover. It's uh it's uh sells on Amazon for thirty dollars and uh basically it's um well that's pretty much it. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much it. Well that's 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 enough, right? <laughs> true. True. That's enough. So how long how long have you been in business? Oh, for about um about several months. Um, the pandemic really hit hard. My family had to find a way to make money. So I'm like, well, why not an online job? Work from home. <laughs> True. Are you a Are you a Star Trek fan? Oh, huge Star Trek fan. I grew up with. Uh, I remember. I remember me and my dad watching uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation, and uh, I watched from start to finish, and it's always been a fan. Wow, that's awesome. That's pretty cool. And people can get the Captain's Log right on Amazon. It's available now. Yep, they can. And anything anything else I that might it. be of interest to our listeners? Well, um, honestly, that's about it for right now. <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> that's all right. That's cool. That's cool. So do you, do you read Discovery novels by chance, John? Oh no, I I uh, mostly uh, I mostly watched the television television show. I missed the last one, uh, Thanksgiving. So, well, that's all right. That's cool. Well, uh, so where are you calling us from tonight? Uh, Scottsville, Kentucky. Kentucky, that's wow, Kentucky. That's where Shannon's at. Oh, cool. Our good friend Shannon is down in Kentucky. Maybe she's listening. Maybe she knows you. Who knows? That's pretty cool, Kentucky. And how much snow do you have down in Kentucky right now? Oh, right now, zero. <laughs> zero. Man, I'm striking out everywhere. <laughs> yeah, this oh, weather well. just really weird. Very, very weird. Well, Jonathan, thank you for, for giving us a call. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. And I and, wish uh, you best of luck with your captain's logs. Oh, thank you, sir. And you have a good night. Try to stay warm down there in Kentucky. <laughs> oh, sure will. <laughs> Take it easy, John. Good night. Live long and prosper. Come on. <laughs> so, we're going to be talking about Star Trek Discovery Die Standing. <laughs> and I got to start out by saying that. First of all, thank you for calling, John. We always love to hear from our fans. That's pretty cool. Kentucky, that's awesome, too. Um, so this book, I, I enjoyed 
this book. Unlike the other one that he wrote, which I just could not get into at all, uh, surprisingly, because I love Captain Pike. I think Captain Pike's the bomb. I just couldn't get into that one. It was just too wordy and too much stuff that just I just wasn't into. But this one, I love Giorgio, first of all. Um, she's one of my favorite characters on Discovery, so that was cool. And I like, I really, really have to say, I love the way they're doing these Discovery books right now and how they're kind of filling in gaps from other Star Trek shows that we didn't even really know were gaps to begin with until you read the book, which is really cool. And I like the way it comes into a loop and where it ends. It, uh, it ends with the beginning of something else, which I also really like because it helps you fit it into the timeline and know exactly what's going on. So this, I really enjoyed this one. And I really, really like how they how they flipped back and forth from the mirror universe to the prime universe. And this particular, I, I don't think this is, a, I really don't think that this is a spoiler, but um, anyways, just, just, just to make sure. Black alert, y'all. We are about to make the jump to some serious spoiler territory. It- okay. You've been warned twice. <laughs> no hate mail, please. Um, so at the end of season one, we see, well, I don't know if we actually saw this or not, but there's a scene that was floating around on the internet. Let me put it that way. Oh, that was supposed to was end. That was, that was an extra scene that was, I think it was on the DVD. Okay. Yeah. So okay. I knew I floated before the DVD release, but it wasn't in the original release. Yeah. I, I knew I saw it somewhere. Um, and in this particular scene, that this, this deleted scene, um, after after Emperor Giorgio uh, threatens to blow up the Klingon homeworld, and they give the bomb to Lorel, and Michael Burnham lets her go, she's stuck on Kronos, and she opens up a bar on Kronos. And in walks Leland. And, of course, um, he's dressed up as a trill. He's got the dots on his face. And he tracks her down in her bar and gives her a black badge, inviting her to join Section 31. And uh, I guess, yeah, you're right, that scene wasn't actually shown on the show, but it was all over the Internet. It's on the DVD, so it's quasi-canon, I guess. But this particular book picks up right, that event is very pivotal, and it starts right at that point, which is really cool. So I enjoyed it, and I like the way they flipped back and forth from Mirror Giorgio to Prime Giorgio. And we get to learn a lot about her background and about Michael Burnham's back. Well, not as much as about Michael Burnham, but the um, influence that Michael Burnham has on Giorgio, on Mirror Giorgio, which um, comes into play really big time in, in Discovery, particularly last season. So and I've always been, I've had a soft spot for Giorgio. I really like the redemption story that she went, that she went on. But you know what? I don't want to, let me see. There's a little bit of, um, no, you know what? I'm going to leave it for my co-host. There's, a, there's some other stuff. There's some other characters that we get to meet in this book and um, some other fun stuff that happens. And I'm not going to babble too much. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let my other 
co-hosts uh, dive into some of the other characters and things that we meet before I ruin it all for you guys. But um, Charles, there's one character in this book in particular that's Actually, rather interesting. Actually, I summarized the last book. I think it's Eric's turn to do a little summarization about what happens in this book. Oh, is it Eric's turn? Okay. So, Eric, there's, Eric's turn. there's some characters that show up in this book that people might be familiar with, and there's an incident that this book evolves around that a lot of people will be familiar with. And uh, why don't you dive in and... and uh, Illuminate yeah, us. For sure. Well, um, the book kind of it's in these different sections, so it kind of starts back in time, and we get a little view aboard the USS Farragut. Uh, and of course, my favorite TLS captain, Kirk, is a, a, what, a lieutenant, I, I think, at the time on the Farragut. And, yes, he's a lieutenant. Um, yeah, and there there is an incident whereby the the ship encounters a mysterious class that um, actually kind of instantly kills a bunch of people. And there are a couple of different places that this happens. We get that incident, and then we also get a uh, way back when Giorgio was uh, not a captain. They don't actually say her. I presume she was a commander at the time, but when she was uh, aboard the Archimedes, the USS Archimedes with Egan, uh, who was her captain, who uh, I think memory is him as an ineffective captain. <laughs> Basically, yeah. kind of like the, that's the kind of vibe you get off the guy uh, in all of the scenes that he's in. And uh, and you kind of like learn, you some things happen at the beginning, I don't want to give everything away, but some things sort of happen at the beginning related to this cloud situation, and then you find out much later in the book more information about it, which is really cool. I love how they kind of take these setups that they make at the beginning of the book, and then they give you the payoff at the end, um, which is really cool. I would agree with you, Jim. Um, I thought this book flowed uh, quite a bit better than The Enterprise War. I really I really liked this one from the beginning. Not only did it start in a really interesting place, but then uh, each one of the kind of sub-arcs, I guess, throughout the book became more interesting, and they introduce all of these really cool characters that we that we know and love, um, but uh, maybe don't know that that much about. And so Jim is probably shooting for uh, one of our friends, the rascal himself, uh, Bane of Kirk, uh, Finnegan. Finnegan is in this. Yes. Place. They yep. bring him. They bring him back, and of course, Finnegan is a character that. We never actually really see in TOS. We actually see a reversion of him in Shore Leave. Um, you, uh, you get the sense that he really was this guy who was a brawler, who was a prankster, um, constantly, you know, pulling pranks on Kirk and that sort of stuff. And in this book, they take that character, and not only do they develop him a bunch more, but they give you two versions of him. They give you the mirror universe version of him, and they give you the prime universe version, just more information about the prime universe version of him. And so I really liked that. Um, I will say that as much as Jim loves Giorgio, and I like Giorgio quite a bit, there's no question, like Michelle Yeoh is just unbelievable. But as a character, she gets a little tiresome for me after a while. She is always snarky, you know, 
so unpredictable that she's hard to like because you just and I'm talking about Giorgio from between seasons one and two or from season one um, that that version of Giorgio um, because I do think she gets of course her redemption arc in season two uh, but uh, we we get her kind of lead up to that redemption arc in this book and these other characters kind of plug into that Finnegan is one of them um, the mere universe of him being apparently Giorgio's enforcer, <laughs> the guy who like did her killing for him or for her. Um, and then this Finnegan who likes the brawl, but you know, is generally a good guy. <laughs> and he actually um, is, I think always seen as just a brawler and just a prankster, but they actually give him depth in the book too. And they actually, in the end, give him uh, a position in a security agency and like make him just a really cool, well-rounded character. So I love that. The other character that they introduced here um, that is key, really super key to the story is another callback character played by none other than one of our absolute favorite um, actors of all time. We've had her on the show um, and she is just an absolute gem as far as I'm concerned. Chase Masterson played Emily Dax way back on DS9, uh, episodes Facets and the Nagus, and we get lots of Emini Dax in this book. Of course, you probably recognize, if you've seen any DS9, the name Dax, being the symbiote of uh, Jadzia and Ezri. Um, Emini was, of course, an earlier 23rd century version of Dax, who was an Olympic gymnast. Um, so she got lots of gold medals and that kind of stuff. She becomes a absolutely pivotal character uh, in this book. And honestly, she's probably my favorite character in the book because she's kind of the conscience of Giorgio, I think. Giorgio throughout this book is really unpredictable. She's all over the place. You never actually know what her motives are or what she's actually going for. And there are times when you kind of trust her, but then as soon as you start to trust her, she'll just turn around and like, you know, do something unpredictable again, which makes you not trust her. So Giorgio's a little hard to follow, but I think that's okay because she's sort of offset by these characters of Finnegan and Emony throughout the whole book. So just really like that aspect uh, of the book overall. And the story that kind of starts with the gas cloud leads into, without giving you all the details, um, a really cool story about three different races uh, who all live in this really funky area of space where there's like a giant gas giant planet with literally thousands of satellites, like thousands of, of moons, um, uh, meteor, not meteorites, but asteroids, all this kind of stuff. And these, these civilizations kind of live in this weird harmony where there's a constant war that's going on with one of them. Uh, and the other two kind of plug into the economy of them, either supplying like weapons or uh, supplying food. And those three races kind of mutually exist only because there's a constant war that one of them is running uh, all the time, which sounded a little bit like the Enterprise incident to me. Right? Sounds a little familiar. I don't know about you guys. When I got to the book, I was like, oh, here's another race of weird aliens who can't stop fighting each other, just like in the Enterprise war. Um, and I, I want to I jump in right here uh, for a second. First of all, yeah. Emily, if I remember correctly, and, like, my memory, I'm getting long in the tooth, so I might be mistaken, but I think that in Trials and Tribulations, didn't Dax say that Emony was the one that had the affair with Bones and said that he had the hands of a surgeon? 
Wasn't that Emony that she was referring yep. to in that episode? That yep. is Emony. Yep, she said exactly that in Trials and Tribulations. Yep. Yeah, so Emony had has a connection to uh, TOS as well, and I also think it's great. It was really great that Dax is the one that's like you already touched on is the one that start, that starts to turn Giorgio's um, uh, the worm in her apple. I guess I want to say, yeah. <laughs> and uh, because. You're absolutely right. This Giorgio that we meet in this book is the evil, twisted, demented Giorgio. This is not this is not the Giorgio that we see at the end of season three. This is a completely different Giorgio, and she's just starting the the arc of her redemption. She's not there yet, so she's very flighty and unpredictable, and and doesn't know what to do or who to screw or who not to. So this is the beginning of of what we're going to see on the TV show, which, again, fills in the gaps. And the episode that we're talking about is a TOS episode called Obsession, and that's the one where the cloud attacks the Enterprise. Right. And, and yeah. Kirk feels guilty about it because when he was in the Farragut, he, he didn't fire the phasers quick enough. So a right. little backstory on that, it's kind of like the Conscience of the King episode from the um what was the name of the book the correct title of the book <laughs> uh, that was desperate measures yeah there's two books that are very similar titles but this is the same type of thing it gives you the backstory of an desperate episode <laughs> which i thought anyway. <laughs> 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 which was really you know but anyways so you guys get the idea there's a whole lot yeah. going on in this book there's a lot of of, of little threads and back to the original book, one of the things that turned me off about the Enterprise War is the author got too carried away and too in-depth with these alien races that were fighting and why they were fighting and how they built their houses and why they lived there and on and on and on and on and on and on about things I just didn't care about and that were really, in my mind, irrelevant to the story. Thankfully, thankfully. In this book, he doesn't do that. He gives you just enough information about each one of the races to, so that you know what's important, you know what you need to know, and then he moves on to the next thing. And, and it's, it's perfect. He doesn't go crazy like he did in Enterprise War, but he gives you enough of a backstory to really to make you care a little bit about what's going on and understand these characters. So I have to give, I have to give him kudos. He definitely, yeah, he definitely gets kudos for that. And I will say that I've just found this book in general to be an awesome mystery book. Um, there are a lot of things that are kind of set up throughout the book that you really just don't know how they're going to come out until they're revealed. And then when they're revealed, you're pretty surprised. I mean, I, I don't know how you guys felt, but there were definitely a few surprises along the way that I was like, wow, that's really cool. Or, wow, I didn't expect that. Or, um, you know, the whole idea that these, these races are fighting over a, a place on a particular planet that is exactly the same place that Georgia needs to do, needs to go to complete her mission, uh, supposedly, whatever that mission may be, whether it's for Starfleet Section 31 or herself. Uh, but yeah, I, I just, I totally agree with you. The way that they, um, spend a little bit less time getting into the nitty gritty, but, but the aliens themselves are still really interesting. I mean, they, they have really interesting physical um, 
aspects, you know, like one has, I don't remember what he said, but it's like so many tiers of arms and things sticking out and one doesn't have a head that sort of has this glowing stuff going on inside. And, and even the, the ways in which those weird alien forms kind of change and become an important part of the story you're on too, that's really interesting. Uh, it kind of takes you outside of the Star Trek as uh, aliens with just, you know, a little bit of makeup on their forehead and gives you aliens that are really culturally different, really physically different, that would be harder to display. I mean, becoming easier these days now with computer animation, but traditionally would be fairly hard to actually uh, represent on the screen. If I, I think he just, in the book they were described as, as rolling starfish. Rolling, I think yeah, the, well, yeah, there was the rolling starfish ones, and then there's the ones who are built like tanks that have like a single, like have tank treads for feet or something instead of... <laughs> Really yeah, wrong. it was interesting. I kind of got the idea it was like a giant slug with one big foot that just or a snail, you know, that kind of had this big foot. Yeah, it was so cool. Very- so listen, guys, we have to take our first commercial break. And in honor of Ricardo Maltobon's birthday, which is this week, uh, I'm going to play this really awesome clip for you guys. And we're going to come right back and talk about die standing. I shall leave you as you left me. Marooned for all eternity in the center of a dead planet. Buried alive. Buried alive. And we're back. So, yeah, I have to say that I, I agree. I agree completely, Eric. I I really think that he did an excellent job on this book all the way around. And in fact, I got to tell you guys, I, I only read 44% of the book and I was on vacation for Thanksgiving and I'm like, okay, I'll finish it up on Thanksgiving. I, we ended up having to go down to my brother's in Boston. We had a snowstorm, da da da. So on, <laughs> believe it or not, I come back home on black Friday and I said, I got to finish up this book. The show is on Monday. Well, I had to shovel snow, and I didn't feel like reading it. So I said, okay, I'll do it Saturday. So Saturday comes along, and I, I sit down, and I get through a, a chapter or two, and then something happened. And then Sunday comes along, and I'm like, oh, my God, I got to finish 60% of this book. Well, I sat down and started reading the book on, on Sunday, yesterday, and I was so enthralled. I, I finished the entire book. Well, sixty percent of the book yesterday, mm-hmm. and it, it was it pulled me right in, and I didn't want to stop reading. It, it was that good. So like Can you I said, the you mysteries and I did exactly you know, the same thing. I had I was like, wow, and then I finished it yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I was. So I really. It was, so it, it was that because usually I I read I I read the books at camp. That's usually what I do. I sit out there with the dog on my deck by the campfire with my Kindle, and I read a book, but. We're not at camp anymore. And weekends, I got all kinds of stuff going on. And then we had the holidays. And I knew I had to finish it. But I kept saying, ah, and then and then I just finished it all yesterday. Boy, it was worth the read. Well worth the read. Charles, before we steal all of your thunder, 
I don't know. <laughs> Did we leave anything out? <laughs> oh, oh no, oh no, no. You still, you still left me with a lot to deal with. Good, because I, I didn't want to, didn't want to cut you out completely. <laughs> By the way, I was, I was trying to find character names, and saw something interesting. That Guy Fanning received the 2021 Scribe Award for Best Original Novel. Mm-hmm. I believe so it. This I is an award-winning book. It's just well written. When you read this book, the, it the is. quality of the writing is really good. I, I find it. I find it hard to believe that the, that the same writer that wrote this book wrote. The, uh, the Enterprise War, which, in my opinion, is the worst Discovery novel we've read so far. This book is so removed from that one, where The Enterprise War actually was a chore for me to finish. I didn't really want to finish it, and I, I had to for the podcast. But this one, I, like I said, I read, I read the whole book in one day. It was that engaging. So I believe it if, that it was an award winner because it pulls you right into the story. Well, I love in the story. One of the things in one of the things is a little bit of a spoiler in the story. It's the first chapter. You get to see story by the point of view of Giorgio, back when I think she was about lieutenant. But you get to see her point of view of one incident. And in the next chapter, you see the exact same incident, but in perspective of Emperor Giorgio. And there are two different ways that you've got the Starfleet way and you got the Karen way. And it's interesting to see the perspective on the same instant on both sides. <coughs> but in the Karen side, <coughs> we get to meet a captain. I can't remember his name. Yeah, we talked about Egan. 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 Yeah. Okay, we got to deal with Egan. And what happened to him on the Karen side? What's well, a big difference? What happened to him on the Prime Universe side? And we get to meet Egan. Egan is an interesting trader, as in trading stuff between the three colonies. And it's interesting to see his lifestyle and how he, how he, what kind of person he is, including how he changes. And uh, we also get to meet briefly in the mirror universe, but, but more in depth in the prime universe, a couple of Cations. One of them's named uh, Parau and the other one is named Zisseth, S apostrophe S S T H Zisseth. I think, I don't know how you pronounce it, but he calls her Z in the book. Yes. Oh, yes. He refers to where. Yeah. Oh, those are those are definitely interesting. We've never really had a lot with Cations, except for dealing with animated, and now with the lower deck. 
So it's interesting to see this race show up in another one and see their life, their the way they handle themselves. But this book is basically the idea of this book is this book ends with the season this one starts at the beginning of the end of Discovery season one. And ends when in season two. <coughs> so what happened to Giorgio between being left on Kronos and back on back on no actually back, uh, when she was on Kronos and when she ended up back on Kronos again. Yeah, Charles. I loved, I loved that because that particular, the next time that we see Giorgio on Discovery, she shows up uh, in a Klingon cloak outfit and uh, helps Laurel and Ash defeat Coleshaw. And when she takes yeah. off her cloak, it's, it's Giorgio. And she's there yeah. to keep balance in the Klingon Empire. And that scene right there, that scene in Discovery Season 2 is the scene where this book um, ends. So you know exactly where she's going. Yeah. Yeah, you you know where she's going. Yeah. You get the mission in the book. In the TV show, we see the mission. Yep. It's it's really well done. And that's that's something I I really love about the novels, because the novels do so well in the time the series together. <laughs> we saw that a lot with uh, Dead Endless. We got to see that story arc of what happened with Culver. This one turned around and we still got a great story arc to what happened. Now, I will put a warning out this same author did the third book in the Picard series he is a little bit long drawn in the book but there are some interesting things that occur in that book that are very interesting And he does get to spend a little bit of time with some Klingons, including a very interesting bartender. That's interesting. The Klingon bartender. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah, very interesting when you find out who that bartender is. (laughs) But I I do have to say that I did not really like the Enterprise War. I, 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 know, I know you did. Yeah, I didn't like it, but but the fact that I didn't like the Enterprise War and I loved this book, I find it hard to believe that the same authors wrote both books because this one is so drastically different from the Enterprise War. You know? Yeah. Because usually an author's style doesn't is pretty much the author's style. So if you like one book that they wrote, you know, you're going to like them all. 
but not in this well, case. I wonder. I, I been, wonder if. I wonder if he had a. Oh, the trying to get the term the person that edits and ma and tweaks the book to the public. Like an editor. 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 editor, I'm not sure what the term is, but definitely I think there is a difference. I think the editor may have been a little different in the book, and I think the style may have been just a little different. Yeah, it, it could be possible. Book though uh, was just really good. I, I can't I can't say enough good about this particular book. Yeah, I mean, let's if we if you want to, can we get into the, some of the other characters that we haven't talked about yet? I wanted to see if uh, if Charles was going to bring any of them up, but um, but you know, one of the major characters in this book, uh, I think his name is Quintilian. At least that's how I sort of pronounced it. I'm not sure if that's the correct pronunciation or not, but he's a cool character that um, actually links back to character a little of in this book, which is the prime Giorgio. And we find out in this book that she kind of had a little bit of a secret uh, relationship, I would say, with this guy that Starfleet knew absolutely nothing about. And in fact, this whole part of the, the plot of this book that involves these three alien races involves a planet where apparently five years prior to this book, Giorgio and Michael Burnham had actually visited already. So there's a really cool connection to Michael Burnham. I mean, she's not in the book except that uh, she appears in the log that they watch. But I think Quentin is a very interesting character because he is a guy who is super smart. He's kind of in charge of this race. He's making money off of all three of these races in this perpetual war that's going on. And the fact that Prime Giorgio has a connection to him, and then when he meets Mira Giorgio, he, of course, initially thinks that she's the same person, uh, but eventually kind of figures it out just because it's – I think it's pretty hard for Mira Giorgio to hide her true self for too long. <laughs> but she was also sent into this uh, this mission not knowing that Prime Giorgio had a relationship with this guy. So – that was also kind of interesting. You saw her thinking on her feet, really having to, um, you know, come up with things on the fly because he would mention things and she'd just kind of be like, oh, yeah, I remember that. So uh, what do you guys think of his character? Uh, you know, I oh, thought definitely it was – it was, it was, it was an interesting character. Definitely, I thought it was interesting how the character – we get a lot of secrets in there that we don't know about. And find out Giorgio did have a lot of secrets that she kept out of Starfleet. And which even I mean, to me, to me, Section Charles, thirty-one shows, cannot, yeah, yeah, totally. didn't even know about. And to me, that shows. I think one of the best things about this book, and I know I'm saying one of the best things about this book, but I guess I did like the book a lot. But one of the things that this book does, I think, really well, is it it. It takes that idea of the prime you and the mirror you, and it it explores those options a little bit more. For example, uh, you know, 
Mir Giorgio, or excuse me, Mir Giorgio had these secret relationships. Well, that's not something you would expect this kind of pillar of the community to have, but she has a little bit of a underhand you know, dark side, just like Mir Giorgio has. And as the book goes on, Mir Giorgio kind of finds herself um, feeling like she actually needs to uh, avenge the murder of Prime Giorgio. She's like, you know, you don't mess with Giorgio in any universe kind of <laughs> kind of situation. So she's feeling a very strong tie to Prime Giorgio as well. So I think that's really cool, the way they just kind of take these characters, you know, Finnegan, his mirror self, his prime self. We don't get a mirror uh, Emily Dax, but we get mirror versions of uh, a couple of these other characters that we talked about. And, I don't know, it's just very interesting how they how they just kind of show you, you know, the mirror version is not necessarily the evil version. It's the version that you already have inside of you that you're afraid to show the world. <laughs> and I don't think I don't think any of them had goatees either. <laughs> no, I described. No, but it did sound no. like Mirror Finnegan was was uh, may have had like some I don't know like a suit of some kind. I don't know. He sounds like a superhero. He almost sounds like a um, oh, what's the guy? There's another. Is it Dead? I don't know. Now I can't. Deathstroke. He sounded like Deathstroke to me. Bad superhero. If you know who that guy is. <laughs> well, yeah. Mirror something. Here's something also interesting the book touched on is we get a little backstory on what happened with the <clears throat> oh, I'm going blank uh, the symbiote we did, we, got, we learned the fact that when they early joined Federation that they kept secret about the symbiote. Mm-hmm. And rather yeah, interesting yeah. the fact that they don't they don't want to tell Starfleet at that time about the symbiotes and the fact that they have multiple lives that they're living. That's right. And there's that's touched on a little bit I think in uh, in discovery as well that there's it's kind of secretive you know they don't. Trill don't use they don't like using the transporters because they'll be found out <laughs> we also get a, so, we also get uh two characters that we have mentioned tonight mm-hmm. that are very interesting that's Leland and Cornwell mm-hmm. That's right. Man, yep, we, we get see, some we get good. Some... We get some good. We get some good issues with uh, Cornwell in there, and definitely a reminder of how Starfleet looks at Section Thirty-One. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also. They don't get warm fuzzies off of her for Section 31. No. <laughs> Definitely not. No, no way. But she also, Giorgio mentions to Leland, uh, mentions control and how how dangerous it is to allow a computer to make your decisions for you. And, of yeah. course, that becomes very relevant in Discovery later on. So they, they kind of touched yeah. on that a little bit, too. 
Yeah, that yeah. was that was a bit of. I think that would maybe a little bit of a leak in the future of Discovery. I think if anybody who had read this novel might have got an idea, it's like, oh, what happens if that control kind of gets loose? It's like, oh, didn't think about that. Oh, well, that is a problem. Well, I think this book came out uh, last year, so that would have been after season two, right? That would have been after season two? I think it came out before that. I think it came in before season two. Why did it come out after season two ended? Okay. Well, at yeah, any rate, they, they mention, she mentions control and she the does. dangers yeah. of it. So, so there, there, whether you, whether you're familiar with, with that or not, it, it's another thread to, that weaves, weaves the story together. And even if you're not, even if you don't know what control is and you have no idea, it doesn't matter. But if you do, it just, you know, pulls the thread, which I thought was well, awesome. It's totally awesome. And, you know, regarding the kind of incident that happens at the beginning that you were talking about, Jim Farragut, uh, at the beginning, you know, the natural propensity for our mirror Giorgio in this book to take this and I think that her initial thoughts, it kind of becomes clear throughout the book or that um, she really hates being in the universe. She's kind of upset that Michael brought her here and dumped her here. And she's thinking about maybe rebuilding her empire. Um, she's thinking about ways that she can do it. And she sees all of the people around her as tools to that end, which is why she is so unpredictable and you just can't, you just can't trust her throughout the book. But they even give you red herrings throughout the book relative to that, like the the design of, of the ship that they're for as these – they assume that they were used for one reason. Come to find out later in the book, they're used for an entirely different reason. Um, so there's a lot of kind of setups and twists and stuff that feel very natural to me and don't feel like he's forcing anything for drama. You know, everything feels very logically laid out. And even if I were to read it a second time, even though I wouldn't be surprised, I think I would still love them because earlier on in the book, I would look for the setup. That's one of the things that makes Star Trek so fun to watch over and over again, right? You you start to kind of learn what happens in episodes and how what happens in later episodes, and you, you go back and you watch previous episodes again after you've seen later episodes because you're like, oh, yeah, that's, right. that's how that got set up or sort of thing. This book does that for me, too. And I think the, uh, the episode of Session with the, with the cloud that sucks the, um, the, 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 the white blood cell out of your body yeah. doesn't affect Vulcans because, because they don't, they're a different they have green blood, so it doesn't affect Spock. But we get to find out where the cloud came from. Mm-hmm. We find out where, where it came from, uh, who made it, and and what the purpose of it was. We get to find all of that out in the book, which are things you didn't even know you wanted to know, but right. you're going to learn them. <laughs> you know? I, yeah, that's right, There's a mystery that does that that you want to know and then there's mystery stuff that you don't even know revealed. And you're like, oh, oh wow, that's a great twist. <laughs> yeah, there's there's
there's things in this book that you didn't know you wanted to know until you knew them, which is really, which makes it fun. And I don't, I don't want to tell you too much about that. You'll have to read the book to find that out for yourself. But I, I, I thought that was great because I, when I started reading the book, I was like, I, the, uh, the cloud never really dawned on me. And right away I knew it was obsession, the episode obsession, but I didn't really, you know, I was like, okay, the cloud is cool, but I really wasn't obsessed with the cloud. And I really didn't, in the back of my mind, didn't really care where it came from, who brought it there, why it was there. None of those things even occurred to me. And as the story unfolds, you start to find those things out. And then you're like, oh, wow, that's cool. I never thought about that. And and that is what makes this book so good. In my opinion. So, Jim, <laughs> so Jim on a scale of 1 to 10, uh, where do you put this book in your lexicon of discovery books that we've read so far? Wow, I, I would I would um I'd probably give this one an eight eight point five. Mm-hmm. Solid. It, it, it's right up there with, with the Tilly book. It's right I mean it's it was good. I enjoyed it immensely. I, I highly recommend it to anyone who's listening. If you're looking for a good read, this is the one. Yeah, how about you, Charles? What do you uh, what do you think? What's your score, one to ten, on this one? Uh, first, one to put, put a correction on it: the book came out in June, July of 2020, which means it right. came in between season two and season three. But right, that's what I thought. This book probably was written during season two. So we know what happens, but we, I think that little bit on control, we kind of saw it, didn't see it. They said I saw it coming when the writer was putting the book in. I'm going to say about an eight. This is a good book. It's up there with some of the other books. Yeah. I, I, I think I'm, I'm right there with you guys about an eight and a quarter, eight and a half or so. I mean, it's it's so well-written and the story is very interesting and it's got a good pace to it. And like Jim said, I mean, you can you can sit down and read this in a couple of afternoons if you want to. Charles, I don't, did you listen to it on audiobook this time around? I did. I, I've been doing all these books on audio. I do it, take it in my walk every morning. Yeah. So do you like the, uh, do you like whoever read it this time? Yes, it was a good reader. They've got got good readers in these books. I haven't seen a bad reader in these books. That's good. I mean, a good reader can make a big difference as to how much you enjoy an audio book, for sure. Eight, eight and a half or so for me. Um, This was the seventh book uh, in this kind of series of books so far, and... um, and I, I don't think we disagree with you, Jim. I think it was, uh, we enjoyed it more than book five. <laughs> yeah, I, th- you know, I, I was really interested in this book because I really liked Giorgio, and I liked, I liked her redemption arc on Discovery. And so I was really excited to read this book, but it wasn't what I expected it to be, which is what surprised me and made the book so good because there were, the book was about things that I didn't know I wanted to learn about, but did anyways, which, which is really good. 
I mean, when a writer can bring you in a direction where that you don't think you're going to go and you keep going in that direction because you need to know what's around the next corner, that's the mark of a good book. And Mm -hmm. that's this book. Oh, by the way, I just looked at our novel series as Eric reminded us. And I think a few people are looking forward to book number eight. And Book what's number that one? eight is Wonderland by Una ah. McCormick. And this takes us between season three, episode one, and season three, episode two. Now, I think we already covered that book, didn't we? We sure did. I think we did. Oh, we did. Okay, we got that one. Okay, then I think we, Yeah, I think we I think Are we caught up? I think wow. Yeah, then I mean, we've we only got one Then we've only got one we're one we haven't covered then. We haven't done rogue elements. From Bacard. All right. Wow. Guys, you looking at your clock? There we are. Oh, yeah. Wow. So uh, we have to wrap up the show, guys. I, I want to say thank you to John for calling us from Kentucky. It's always great to hear from our fans. And I want to say thank you so much to Eric for hanging out and booknooking with us tonight. Thank you, Eric. Yeah, you bet. It was fun to talk about this one. And, of course, thank you to Charles with all of his sunshine out in Las Vegas for hanging out and book-nooking with us. Thank you, Charles. Oh, and thank you. I always love talking novels. I want to remind you guys one more time, tune in Thursday night, Trek Talking, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Doug Brody's going to be on with us talking about the first time he met J.J. Abrams, what it was like to redesign the Klingon props for the first Star Trek movie. Uh, We're going to be talking a little bit about maybe Iron Man, maybe Thor. Who knows? He's done a lot of stuff. You'll have to tune in. Have your questions ready and give us a call at 646-668-2433. And also, don't forget, call in, and the first caller is going to win an autographed Arium picture by Sarah Mitch from Star Trek Discovery Season 1. So bear that all in mind, Thursday night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We'd love to hear from you. Well, guys, that's it. Uh, Thank you to everybody for listening. We really appreciate it. Please be good to each other and stay safe. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Now, live long and prosper. All right, then. Everybody ready? Yes, Captain. Let's fly.